the big firms is they're focused on accumulation. So they'll say, hey, just sell shares. You know, if the market goes up more than it more than it goes down, then we'll just give you, you know, we'll just sell shares and give you money. That's actually cannibalizing your principal, and that's how it accumulates. So instead, you got to work with somebody that really focuses on retirement income. Primarily, only works with those individuals that are retired that need income. So you need to work with an income specialist. There are many factors that contribute to success, skill, good work habits, positive mental attitude, and of course, proper planning. So let's head to the drafting table and get this retirement success blueprint underway with Michael Stewart of Crystal Lake Tax and Financial. I'm your co-host, Mark Killian. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back for another edition of the Retirement Success Blueprint Podcast with Michael Stewart and myself talking investing, finance, and retirement. We're going to talk about decumulation this week as the bulk item on the podcast. So stick around for that. But we're going to get into some other stuff first as well. First of all, Mike, what's going on, buddy? How are you? It is summer. The weather is beautiful. I am great. How are you, Mark? Doing pretty good. It has been mega hot, but that's okay. We'll take it. You know, it's summer. It is what it is. So you got to do the thing with that. And speaking of hot, Mike, I got to ask you about this housing market, right? Uh, back in May, uh, sci- economists, excuse me, were saying that it might have been the peak of the uh, the red hot housing market, but it sort of doesn't seem like it. I mean, obviously, we're into you know almost into July now at the time we're taping this, and it's still going pretty darn strong. Uh, leading indicators uh, like pending home sales, you know, mortgage applications, scheduled home tours, they maybe declined a little here and there, but. I don't know about in your area, but my area it is still smoking hot. So, what do you see going on with this? And you know, are we uh, are we still going to be in for a longer term with this? A, a lot of price, houses are just way overpriced. Yeah, on the real estate market, yeah, you're dealing with a couple different things. So, on one, you know, everybody think is COVID related. Maybe initially, you know, when there was that initial rush in, in spring 2020, kind of out of the cities with you know all the uncertainty going on. But really, there's it's kind of two factors in play, and one's going to stick around, which is going to keep supporting the housing market at least you know for the next few years or so. Uh, so, on one side, you've got you know interest rates still near zero. If you can still go out and get a 30-year mortgage at three percent or three and a quarter, or you can get a 10-year 15-year mortgage at two and a half, 2.75%. All that really means is because interest and borrowing costs are so low that people can afford more of a house. So, you know, now all of a sudden they can buy that 300, 400, $500,000 house, whereas interest rates go up to four and a half, five and a half percent or so. Now they can no longer afford it just because of that extra interest. So until the Fed's really going to change interest rates, it's really going to still continue to be you know, pretty much a seller's market, you know, and a little challenging, and you're going to see some appreciation in the real estate side, you know, now that might be short lived within the next maybe, you know, 12 to 18 months until the Fed starts bumping rates a little bit. On the second side of it, something that's not really going to change over the next few years, which is why we don't think you're, even with the huge appreciation we've had recently, we're going to have a huge real estate pullback or, you know, kind of like 08, 09 is that we have the millennial generation, which a lot of people don't know, you know, right now they're in their late 20s and early 30s. So, you know, right now, you know, the millennials, we used to always joke about, you know, that basically they are looking to, you know, they want the experience. They're going to live in a little studio in the city just so they could, you know, kind of walk around and do the whole friends thing. But the reality is now that they're a little bit older, you know, now that they're starting to get married, starting to have kids, a lot of them are moving to the suburbs. A lot of them want to have the kind of childhood and home that they grew up in. They want a yard. So now there's an implicit demand for more housing. And then the millennial generation is almost the same size as the baby boomer generation. 
So that near-term demand for housing as they're early kind of in their adult stage, you know, as far as formation of families and things, that's going to continue for another five or 10 years. So it wouldn't surprise us, you know, as interest rates start creeping up a year, year and a half from now or so, that housing prices don't pull back a little bit. Uh, but we don't think it'll be really sustainable because once again, we've got the millennial bubble kind of right behind them that's going to be there picking up the pieces, you know, with a lot of housing demand. Yeah, interesting. Funny how that works, right? As we age, right? <laughs> Funny how those things kind of change <laughs> a little bit. It's like, no, I want to live, you know, in a loft downtown. And then like, you know, seven or eight years later, you're like, well, this is old. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I'd like a yard or something like that. So, yeah, we all change. We all age. Uh, it happens to the best of us. So, okay, well, that's a good take on the situation. And obviously, we'll kind of see how things are going to play out. Uh, like I said, in my area, it definitely is super overpriced, and I'm sure that's the case in a lot of the parts of the country. So we'll we'll keep an eye on that as we move through our continued podcast. But for now, let's talk about our main topic, Mike, and that's decumulation. That's a big fancy sounding word. I got five things we might want to know here about decumulation to retire successfully. But let's just real quick define what decumulation is. It's a fancy term for basically just saying spending of your money, right? Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Yeah, it's about you know how once the paychecks stop and you need distributions from you know your savings, your retirement accounts. I know how how do you get that without decumulating or spending your principal along the way? Okay, so let's go through these five items here and discuss this a little bit. Five things you might want to know. There's often, first of all, Michael, just a lack of support around the topic. I suppose unless you're working with a financial professional like yourself, because this is what you guys do. But if you're not. Well, you know, if you Google something and so on and so forth with financial advice and whatnot, pretty much everything is around the accumulation phase of our life, right? It's the growing of the wealth, but there doesn't seem to be a lot out there support-wise uh, for decumulation. And like I said, unless, of course, you're working with somebody who specializes in that. Yeah, and in our practice, you know, so we're, we're also, you know, a part of the retirement income store. And so our emphasis is for those that are either approaching within three to five years of retirement or are already in retirement. And like you alluded to, you know, there's a lack of support within just kind of Wall Street in general, because all the you know, Wall Street cheerleaders for Wall Street, as well as the brokers are out there all about accumulation and all about the stock market. And that's great when you're 20, 30, 40, even early 50s, because you got 10, 20 plus years ahead of you before you need this money. Where you don't get the support is from somebody like us that basically focuses specifically on how do we generate retirement income? How do we make sure that this money lasts as long as you do? How do we preserve the principal? Because this money has to last us 30 years in retirement. So what happens is a lot of you know stockbrokers out there with the big firms is they're focused on accumulation. So they'll say, hey, just sell shares. You know, if the market goes up more than it more than it goes down, then we'll just give you, you know, we'll just sell shares and give you money. That's actually cannibalizing your principal, and that's how it accumulates. So instead, you got to work with somebody that really focuses on retirement income primarily only works with those individuals that are retired that need income. So you need to work with an income specialist. Okay. So that's the first step. Now, the number two, Mike, this is probably going to be the bulk of it, I think, for a lot of people. And it's kind of surprising, but until you start talking with the financial professionals and retirement planners and things of that nature, you don't really think that a fear of spending your money is real, but it's really a real thing. A lot of retirees, pre-retirees, they get very, very scared and nervous about how to actually you know, go through the process of enjoying and spending the money. And a lot of times I've heard advisors say, I got clients that it's tough to convince them it's it's okay to do this. And I think that's where a good plan and the confidence is really going to help. Yeah, we, we tell prospective clients and even our existing clients that all retirement is, is permanent unemployment, right? So the paychecks aren't coming. Which sounds scary. You might be getting, you know. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, and that, just your point, that fear of spending is real. Because once the paycheck stops, sure, you might be getting Social Security or pension, but really now you have to live off of what you've saved. You know? so, and that's really where you try to get some sort of retirement income strategy that's going to provide consistent income for you in good markets and bad, because that now gives you permission to spend. And the reason that it's a fear for most people, and they, it's hard to flip that switch, is because if you think about, let's say, a 65-year-old person that's retiring today, they've been savers for the last 45 years, if not longer. You know, many have been saving since they were, you know, kids, but they've been savers. So all they know is a save, 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 don't touch the principal, save, save, save. And now all of a sudden, you know, the industry expects them to flip a switch and just say, okay, now I can start spending this. And it's just, it's not an easy mental change that they have to do. So their portfolio has to be positioned where you can point to it. Let's say somebody, you know, met with a client yesterday, had a little over a million dollars. They were doing a rollover from their 401k. We showed them a way to get about four and a half to 5% just from interest and dividends off of their portfolio. So that basically gave them permission to spend 40 to $50,000 a year without having to touch the million dollars. Now that takes away that fear of spending. That's what gives you a little bit of peace of mind of just knowing that the income is going to be there when you need it. Yeah. And I think a lot of people need that kind of reassurance because, you know, whether you've been a, a really good saver or, or not, you know, some people, they just kind of get to that point and they're like, well, I'm just too worried that I'm going to run out, you know, maybe when I'm 85 or something like that. And that's understandable. And again, that's where a good, strong plan comes into place because it allows you to have that confidence and feel better. Uh, and nobody likes the budget, you know, term. So a spending plan, whatever you want to call it, is maybe a better way of kind of looking at that. Because number three, Mike, these risks are more numerous that are out there. And so I get why people have that fear of spending. Uh, and there's a lot of complicated stuff out there. But again, that's why a good plan and a good advisor can help you work through all those kind of uh, those fears. Oh, absolutely. Because, you know, there's a lot of different risks. And I'll rattle them off in just a minute here. But the biggest risk that you face is longevity, right? We're all just we're all healthier. We're all living longer. We've got miracles of medical science. So what happens is that now what used to be, you know, maybe for our grandparents and great grandparents used to be a five or 10 year retirement, you know, before they pass. For many now, it's a 20, 25, 30, 35 year retirement. So you're going to be retired almost as long as you were working to begin with. So why the risks become more numerous is the longer you live, the longer just bad things in, in general are going to happen. Things like inflation. The longer you live, the more things cost as time goes by. So you need more income. The longer you live, the more likely that there's going to be some market disruptions and some bear markets and some crashes along the way. The longer you live, the more healthcare issues you're going to wind up running into. So, you know, one of the things is the longevity is what you need to plan for. Yeah. And of course, longevity is a multiplier of all the risks that <laughs> you just were talking about. So, Absolutely. you know, again, having all these pieces in there to deal with decumulation and that, and don't get you know scared from this word, Mike, because that's the point of it, right? I mean, you save this money, you're spending this stuff down to enjoy it uh, and live the hopefully the retirement lifestyle that you want, but you want to make sure that you're doing it smartly so that you don't run out. And one of those ways to be smart is number four here, and that's with focusing on tax consequences uh, so we can be as efficient as possible because right now it's probably never been more important. Yeah. So at Crystal Lake Tax and Financial, as you know, we have a tax practice inside our financial planning practice. So we've got a CPA on staff. You know, we did, I think, about 700 tax returns last year. Plus, we do a lot of proactive tax planning for a lot of our retired clients because the two biggest risks that you're going to face in retirement, it's not going to be the market crashing, right? You're already going to reduce your risk. You're already, you know, that's common sense. But the two biggest risks are going to be taxes and any kind of long term care or health care event. 
So on the tax side of it, you know, most people's money is basically saved for the most part in things pre-tax. So it's pre-tax IRAs, 401ks, TSPs, 403Bs, annuities, whatever they happen to be. So the problem with that is that Uncle Sam is your silent business partner. And the thing is, without knowing what tax rates are going to be in the future, you don't know how big of a partner they are. So right now, he may only be a 22% partner for you, right? So 78 cents of every dollar is yours. 22 cents is kind of a lien against your retirement accounts to the government. Mm -hmm. But what happens with all the stimulus spending? We were already in kind of bad financial shape to begin with, the new infrastructure package that they're talking about. Now, all of a sudden, all that's on borrowed money. So as we move forward, what's going to happen to taxes? It's very likely that they're going to go up and probably go up significantly. So it wouldn't be too far-fetched to think that five years from now, maybe even 10 years from now, that same 22% business partner that's the government is a 32 or 35% business partner. Now you don't have 78 cents of every dollar, maybe right. at 65 cents of every dollar. So you definitely need to focus on taxes. That's why we built a tax practice inside our financial planning practice. Well, I know we've got some new creative math that they've been teaching for the last couple of years, Mike, but in my book, 22 sounds better than 32. You know what I mean? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> if, if, you can, if you lock it in now, that's right. That's right. Exactly. Uh, all right. Number five, final one here on decumulation is just leveraging what we've built up to give us some lifetime income. Okay. So see back to number two there, Mike, if you're having that fear of spending and you don't want to run out and you, you know, you want to maybe jump into retirement and do a lot of fun things and, you know, but you're kind of worried that if you go too hog wild, you'll run out in your 80s or something like that. Well, make sure you've got good lifetime income in place and a good strategy. And that way you'll know what you can spend, again, confidently. And you'll also have that lifetime income. Absolutely. In retirement, income is the outcome. You know, it's not about, you know, putting points on the board and say, hey, look how great my portfolio is performing. It's about how much income are you getting? Are your money protected so it lasts as long as you do? So you need to leverage your lifetime income. So you need to build a portfolio that thinks about getting you income first, getting you rising income second, protecting the basically the chicken. You know, in my book, I call it eat the, eat the eggs, not the chickens. So basically don't touch the principal. And then growth on that is really fourth on the list. You know, when you were 20, 30, 40 years old, growth was number one on that list. Well, the list is kind of flipped around now that you're approaching or in retirement. So you got to make sure that you're planning so that you have lifetime income. Yeah, absolutely. Well, all of these things kind of wind up to our five items here for decumulation. So as always, if you got questions or concerns, make sure you're reaching out and talking with a qualified professional uh, like Mike and his team at Crystal Lake Tax and Financial. And you can stop by the website, crystallaketax.com. That is crystallaketax.com. And while you're there, drop us an email. We take those here on the podcast as well. And of course, they answer all of them, but we take some of them and we decide which ones to put on the show here. So we've got one this week from Deb in Deer Park. And she says, Mike, I'm in the middle of a divorce after 30 years of marriage. Do you think I'd be better off going after half the husband's 401k or half of his pension? I like the idea of the guaranteed income, but I won't be retiring myself, excuse me, for another 10 years. So it's not like I really need the pension myself right now. What's your thoughts? Yeah, Deb, this really comes down to a financial planning conversation, you know, and then with some changes that are going on in your life right now with a divorce, there's a lot of moving parts. So you want to seek out a fiduciary financial planner, whether that's us or somebody else that can help you kind of go through not just this question, but really kind of what next looks like for you. But to answer your question here, do you take half of the 401k or half the pension? It's really a bigger, it depends question because it comes down to a couple things. So, you know, just very basic on there. What other resources do you have? 
right? So do you have your own 401k? Do you have some other savings set up? Uh, who's getting the house or are you selling it, splitting it? You know, because that's going to have to do with your budget and your cash flow and that as well. In addition to that, it's going to come down to, we said you like guaranteed income, but you don't need it now. Well, that's true. But if you think about depending on your earnings history, you want to have somebody run an analysis for you, even on things like Social Security. Are you going to be claiming your benefit for retirement for Social Security or are you going to be claiming the divorced spousal benefit? Because you want to know what your income, your guaranteed income is going to be, whether that's from Social Securities or pension or otherwise. So then you'll need to know what other assets you might need. So it's not quite as easy as take one or the other. It's something that you want to build a plan around. And then that plan is going to dictate, does it make more sense to take half the pension or half the 401k? All right, Deb, thanks so much for the question. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. As always, folks, subscribe to the show if you enjoy the content. You'd like to keep up with new episodes as they come out. You can find all of it at Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeart, Stitcher, all the major podcasting platforms. Uh, usually those are some of those are already installed on your phone. Just type in Retirement Success Blueprint right in the search box of those apps. It'll pop up that way. Or, of course, you can always just find it all at crystallaketax.com. That is crystallaketax.com. Mike, thanks for hanging out with me this week. I appreciate you as always. I hope you have a good uh, August, and I'll talk to you a little bit later this month. All right. Be humble, be safe, and we'll talk soon. I like that. We'll see you next time here on the Retirement Success Blueprint with Michael Stewart from Crystal Lake Tax and Financial. Investment advisory services offered through Sound Income Strategies, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Crystal Lake Tax and Financial and Sound Income Strategies, LLC, are not associated entities. Crystal Lake Tax and Financial is a franchise of the Retirement Income Store. The Retirement Income Store and Sound Income Strategies, LLC, are associated entities.